Welcome to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now, here's Rick. Welcome to the Point of Impact podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel. Great to have you joining us again this week, and we're going to continue what I started last week, which are some episodes where we talk about different styles coming from my new book that just came out, You Got Style, How Discovering Your Personal Style Impacts Your Faith, Family Finances, and much more. Last week, we talked about thinking styles, fascinating stuff, blowing up the whole left brain, right brain myth. And today, I want to talk about financial styles. I just think it's an enormously important subject. And and again, I would just highly encourage you Go to rickmcdaniel.com and get a signed copy of my book. Of course, you can get it Amazon, Barnes & Noble, blah, 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 all over the place. It's available hardcover, softcover, ebook, and in a couple weeks, it'll be coming out an audiobook. So every format possible, you'll be able to get it. But I'd encourage you to get it because, again, the book goes into far greater detail than I can go into in a 30-minute podcast. And, of course, we'll, it'll cover much more. I'm not going to do as many episodes as there are chapters in the book. I'm just grabbing several out that I think are, are maybe interesting to, to this audience. Financial styles, you know, let's just face it. You know, money is, is a huge part of everyone's lives. There's just no way around it. You know, money makes the world go round. Money talks, show me the money. I mean, it's a big deal. People want money. They fight about money. They worry about money, making money, spending money, saving money. I mean, these are topics that an entire podcast are devoted to, right? I mean, it's books are written, all kinds of stuff. The economy is like a daily discussion in media. And, and certainly there's entire business networks, uh, TV networks, you know, that, that are just exclusively focused on money. There are people whose entire careers are dedicated to managing and investing money. Just Wall Street, right? What's it's just goes on and on and on. I mean, treasury bills and mutual funds and interest rates, commodities. I mean, on and on and on and on it goes. I mean, money is a big deal. It's a big deal to all of us. And so here's the thing: what's your financial style? I bet you don't know that. And how significant is it that you don't know your financial style when, in fact, finances are so important? And let me just say from the perspective of the Bible, there are 200, there are 2,285 verses, which is almost one out of every six in the entire New Testament, that have to do with money or possessions, something along those lines. And that's more than, way more than, say, love. And love is like the defining message of the Christian faith. So, I mean, you can imagine... You know, what a big deal even God understands money to be. Jesus' most uh, well-known way that he communicated was through parables. 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus have to do with money and wealth. I mean, what does that tell you? Jesus understood it. He knew it. He, He got it perfectly clear. In fact, in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which is the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7, in chapter 6, verse 24, he says, you can't serve God in money makes it just absolutely crystal clear. So it's a huge, huge thing. Now, let's just take it in another direction. If you're married, what's the number one thing couples fight about? Finances. 
seen it time and time and time again. Some of you are divorced. And the number one reason you're divorced is, is because you just could not get any agreement on this thing called money and finances. It's such a big deal. And it just is something that you've got to be able to get a, a handle. But how do you get a handle on it? I mean, hey, what's the answer to that, Rick? Yeah, what is the answer to that? Because if you could have the answer to that, then you could definitely spare yourself a lot of heartache. Well, I got good news for you. I've got the answer. I've got the answer for you. And the answer is understanding your financial style and the financial style of your spouse. If you can do that, you're on your way. So I'm hoping I can save some marriages through this podcast today. I'm, I'm hoping that all of you single or married will understand your financial style better and it'll just help you in this, in this important area of your life called finances. So where does the information come from? Well, back about literally about 25 years ago, Worth Magazine got with the Roper Starch Worldwide, which is a market research firm, and they said, we want you to do an extensive poll, an extensive survey study on finances. So Roper Starch got 2,000 people across America and asked them 83 different questions about how they make money, spend money, think about money. I mean, it is an incredible insight into the habits, the priorities, the personalities of Americans and how they look at finances. And it's fascinating because it was evenly split between those who think money can buy happiness and those who think money won't buy happiness. But this much is clear. Most Americans would rather be richer than smarter, thinner, or better looking. But the most... Fascinating research that came out of this survey was the identification of seven what they called financial personalities, what I would call financial styles. Seven different financial styles of Americans. So what is your financial style? And how about if we just jump right in here and let's just identify each of these styles and let's see if you can figure out which style you have. The first style is the idealist, the idealist style. The model of the idealist is there's more to life than money. These people are somewhat indifferent to money. They're, they're not uh, upset if they make less money. They don't believe, by the way, that doubling their income would make them happier. They see money more as security, and, and that's a, a, about all of it. Really, people with this style just simply do not link money to happiness. They don't believe a happy marriage depends on sharing the same economic background. They don't believe that the spouse who makes the most money should have more power in the relationship. They just, uh, they don't think that uh, money should ever be more important than romance, for instance. Money and material things are simply not that important to people who have the idealist style. They don't get emotionally involved in making or even losing money. Most of them would only really be a little bit upset, like say if they lost money in the stock market, for instance. But they're really not likely to put money in the stock market to begin with. If they make an investment, it's a modest one. 
if this is your style, you, you just perceive money as a necessity in life. Nothing more, nothing less. Just a necessity. Something that is necessary for life. And of course, we all know that's true, right? I mean, you know, you have to have money. You've got to be able to have a place to live and have to be able to uh, have food and all those sorts of things. I mean, you you got to have money. There's there's no there's no if ands or buts about that. I mean, that's the the reality. And so idealists understand that, but I just think what's most fascinating about them is how they don't just see that more money means you're happier. That that they just don't have this vested emotional connection with finances. Now, if you're this kind of style, and again, you, you can see right away how this is going to run up in conflict with some of the other styles that we'll be talking about here today. Because your uh, indifference about money and somebody else's exceptional focus on money, you, know, you can just see and imagine you're in a marriage and man, there's just a huge difference between the two. So how about if we look at uh, one of those next styles and let's see the difference. The hunter style. So the idealist style, the hunter style. The hunter's motto is nothing ventured, nothing gained. Hunters earn the highest income of all the styles. They are aggressive about making money, spending money, and investing money. Hunters look to optimize their financial resources at every opportunity. They desire more money and they equate money with success, power, and happiness. And most are very comfortable talking about money and frankly talking about how much money they have. Now, do you see the amazing difference between these two first two styles? One has a, an essential indifference toward, toward money and the other has an enormous focus on it. Hunters are confident in their ability to make money. They believe in taking financial risks in order to get ahead. Most feel more comfortable about choosing investments than any other style. And more than any other style, hunters believe that their intelligence and courage are keys to financial success. So they, they see themselves as, you know, betting on themselves that they're going to make the right decision when it comes to investments and finances. Now, this kind of aggressive nature can lead to turbulence in your personal life. They, for instance, can win arguments with their spouse about money but they may be unlikely to be able to resolve conflict in other areas of their marriage. And hunters, the hunter style, have the second highest divorce rate among all styles. Hmm. Interesting stuff, right? Stuff worth pondering and considering. Hunters want to do something with their money. The idea, you know, of like a, a low interest bearing savings account or a certificate of deposit is you know, is not appealing to them at all. They, they look for new investment opportunities. They're comfortable with a higher level of risk. Even if they lose money, they feel like they're wiser the next time that they invest. Hunters worry about things uh, that they need to worry about, but they don't worry about finances. They just have a confidence that and a comfortableness with the idea that, you know, they, they can make money and if they need to, they can they can make more money. That's the that's the hunter style. Just to, again, second style. Here's another, the striver. 
And now the Striver's motto is money makes the world go round. This style, more than any other style, is controlled by money. Now, here's the interesting thing. They have the lowest income of any financial style. And they're twice as likely as the average person to think of money as something that will bring them power and happiness. Most drivers believe that you can't have too much money. The majority of strivers have not attended college and their lack of education puts them at a financial disadvantage. And they don't consider themselves well-informed in terms of financial matters, especially things like investments. At the same time, few of them will ever be happy making only an average amount of money. For the striver, most uh, household issues stem from issues about money, who controls it, and so maybe not surprisingly, strivers are the most likely of any style to get divorced. Strivers are jealous of people who have wealth. They, most of them believe that, that wealth makes a person more attractive, and they assume that people who have money, didn't necessarily earn it, but just had the right connections or were fortunate to be born with wealth. So they see themselves as disadvantaged because they weren't born with wealth and may in fact be uh, in a place of, of poverty or at least uh, on the lower level of the socioeconomic scale. They're not people that save they they spend you know what they have they spend so their relationship with money is strained and it's strained because of a, a lack of money and and a belief that having more money would make them happier than they are right now the next style is the nester now the nester's motto is happiness is having just enough to get by Nesters are the least engaged of all styles with finances. They're not financially savvy, and they're not emotionally connected with their money. Their financial concerns are focused primarily on themselves and their families. They see money very pragmatically. You know, it fulfills their immediate needs. They don't want a lot of money. Interestingly, by the way, what they do have, they see as theirs alone. They're not thinking about leaving money like an inheritance. Most nesters believe individuals should pretty much look out for themselves when it comes to money, so they're not going to be terribly generous. They don't think extravagantly because uh, most likely they're not going to act on any sort of extravagant desires. Monthly bills are their focus much more than anything like growing their finances through investments. Nesters are the least likely of any style to make getting ahead financially a top priority. And they are the least likely of any style to agree that the size of a person's bank account speaks to who they really are. So they just don't see money as something that is so important. Again, you can see now how this differs from, say, the previous style. And imagine having two people in a marriage in which they have these two different styles. I mean, it's driver and nester. It's just almost like guaranteed conflict. 
Nestor's would be the least likely of any style to agree that a person can never be too rich. Nestor simply refused to be defined by finances, by how much money they have. They're just, you know, comfortable in the sense that, you know, money is what it is. It's just not something that they believe uh, is super important. And so they don't try to get more money or make money a big focus in their lives. All right, here's another style, financial style, the splurger. The splurger's motto is it's more blessed to receive. <laughs> They're average in terms of their income, but that doesn't keep them from spending. They're, in fact, they're the most self-indulgent of all the financial styles. When given the option, splurgers are three times more likely than any other style to buy a luxury item instead of a practical one. Whether they can afford it or not, that's what they do. That's what they want to do. Their top money priority is financial independence, but interestingly, Paradoxically, they are so averse to risk that most of their investments are not in the sorts of areas that you could really make a lot of money. They're more in the savings accounts, the CDs, things like that. Their, their uh, expectation is that their finances will get better as time goes on. So uh, this is a, a, a one way to think about the splurger. The splurger is like the hunter, but without the financial acumen. They, they, uh, they'd like to be able to have a lot of money so they could spend a lot of money, but they don't know enough about how to make money or feel comfortable with the risk involved. They really don't want to just accumulate money. They want to spend money. You know, that's, they see money, you know, as like, get it so I can spend it. Splurgers are somewhat impractical. They spend like someone really who has far greater wealth. I'm sure, you know, you, you, you've met people with this style. They, uh, you know, driving around in a Mercedes, for instance, and, you know, they live in like a very um, uh, small and not very nice apartment. You know, like, wouldn't it be more important to have a better place to live, a safer place to live? It's just how, how, they're, how they're wired up. They, they uh, you know, they just... They tend to, um, to to be more focused on 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 stuff. Now, to their credit, splurgers, though they're apt to buy really nice things, regardless of whether they can afford them or maybe even need them, they are willing to identify themselves as being indulgent rather than practical. I mean, they see that in themselves. They're twice as likely, by the way, to be impressed with someone who purchases only the best of everything. So people who you know only stay in the finest resorts and only drive the nicest car and only have the the the, the most up to date fashionable clothes they are impressed by stuff like that. They're they're about consuming. They're about consumption, and you can see how the the world we live in and the advertisers are feeding into people who have this particular financial style. All right, here's another style: the protector. Now, that the protector's motto is it's more blessed to give than to receive. Not it's more blessed to receive, but it's more blessed to give than, than to receive. Protectors are the second most, uh, say, financially savvy style, but they view money differently than, say, the hunter. They're much more likely to be concerned 
about other people. This is really, really interesting. So they see money more as a means for helping, like especially their own family, their children, their parents, and, and, and even their friends. A majority of protectors think it's right to consider other people, not just themselves in financial matters. They don't think of money in terms of power, but security. So watch this. Protectors are primarily women. And they tend to be college-educated women. This is the financial style. They are, of all financial styles, the most likely to be married and the least likely to be divorced. Second highest in income. Highest in percentage of volunteerism. Getting ahead financially is simply not a top priority. Money is a means to provide security for their families. Protectors are not that interested in purchasing items for themselves. They almost feel guilty about spending money on themselves when there are others that they could buy for. They would rather use their money so family or even friends can receive a gift. Protectors do not equate self-worth with financial success. They are among the least likely to see work as anything more than a way to make money. That's, that's their perspective. That's their view. So protectors really see money as something that can be used for good. And again, this, this, is, this is seen. Again, take it from a guy in the church world. You know, the, the amount of women who give versus men, it's simply higher. It's simply higher. And sometimes in families, women are held back from giving what they would like to give because their husbands don't share their, uh, their same financial style and don't see money as something to help others with the way that they do. They see it more as their own money. All right, here, here's the, the last financial style, the gatherer. Now, the gatherer's motto is better safe than sorry. This is, by the way, the highest percentage of any of the styles. So more people are gathered than any other styles. So it's worth listening in on. They tend to be conservative and modest. They consider themselves to be disciplined spenders and competent in financial matters. In fact, they feel the most confident of any financial style in making a major purchase, like, you know, buying a car or, or, or financing or refinancing a house. Anything that involves uh, high level financial transaction. Now, they do look out for themselves first when it comes to finances. They're often tight with what they consider their hard-earned money. They're comfortable with managing money. They understand how money works. They use it uh, how they, they deem is best. They are, in many ways, the typical conservative American investor. Gatherers are more likely to own stocks and bonds than the average person. In fact, they are more likely than any of the financial styles to have three or more investments. Wow. Now, again, they have more investments, but their investments, they're diversified because they have a more conservative outlook. So a hunter may have less investments, but they're more, they're more risk-oriented these folks are saying, no, I'm, I'm going to spread out the risk and, and I'm going to make sure that my money can make money for me, but I, I'm going to make sure it can make money for me 
uh, not a bunch of money in any one investment, though, but the hope is they can make money out of it. The, maybe the most telling thing is that uh, a majority of gatherers would say that it's more important to plan for the future than enjoy you know, what you have now. So that's what they're focused on. They're not focused on consumption. They're not focused on risky investments. They don't have an indifference toward money. They're not necessarily seeing money as helping others. They're, they're, what they're saying is they value money and uh, they don't think you should desire money too much. They're satisfied with what they get paid. They're just comfortable with money and they see it as necessary and they see it as something that they should certainly use and plan for the future with. So there's the seven financial styles that the research uncovered. And, you know, if you were listening today and you say, I think I can identify myself, that's great. You may want, again, may want to get my book. My book has a inventory at the end of each chapter. So then you could take the inventory and make sure what your financial style is, or you could dig into it in a little more depth to, to discover it. But I think it obviously would be super helpful to know that. And again, if you're married to know your spouse's financial style, I do want to tell you that just from a, it's a Christian perspective, a biblical perspective, there is a way in which God wants us to view money. And that is what is called the steward. Now the steward is an old word and it comes from a word that in fact is a popular Greek yogurt, oikos, O-I-K-O-S. That means house or household. And the steward is the oikonomos, which means the householder or best translated in 21st century America would be this manager. Manager. In ancient times, wealthy property owners would would uh, appoint a steward to manage their household affairs when they were away. They had the they had the means and the finances to travel. They would put someone in charge, and that person that they put in charge would act exactly like they were the owner. They would make all the financial decisions. They would take all the actions necessary to run the household, even though they were not the owner of that household. They were simply the manager that was put in charge while the owner is away. And this is exactly the uh, picture that the Bible has of how we should be handling money and viewing money and possessions. It's all God's. The Bible tells us in Psalms, everything in the earth belongs to God. All of it is him, all of it, and all the people. It's all God's. He's the owner, but God's put us in charge as managers. We manage. We manage. We're supposed to be faithful with what we manage. We're supposed to be uh, responsible in terms of how we handle our finances. That's, that's, what, that's what God wants to, to see from us is a, a, a responsibility. If you were to, to identify what really is the characteristic of a steward, of a manager, it is generosity. That God doesn't want us to cling to our possessions or fixate on money. 
A steward, a manager knows that giving actually draws a person closer to God because God is a giver. There's no better way to break the grip of materialism in our lives than through generosity. Managers, stewards, know that they can live a very happy and blessed life because they can never outgive God. If they put God first in this important area of life, then they know that God will take care of them. They can be a channel of God's blessings, not a reservoir, that they can support the, the work of God through the local church. They can help those that are in need. They can see their money used to, to do good. Works out really, really well when you have that kind of perspective on money, that you're a manager of it. It's not yours. It's God's, but you're managing it, and God wants you to manage it well. And ultimately, we will all give an accounting someday for how we manage the money that God gave us, placed in our hands all the resources. So if we make eternal investments, that will certainly work out well for us. And internal investments is when we're generous and we're uh, giving our money away and helping others in the process. So there it is. There's God's perspective on a style that all of us should have, which is the steward style, the, the style of the, the money manager. And we all would do well to take advantage of that. So I hope this has been helpful to you, that you will identify which financial style you are. It will help you in how you relate to money. It will help you in relationships with other people and that you will be a wise manager uh, uh, and a generous giver with the resources that God gives you so you can have the kind of blessings that everyone would want to have in life. All right. I'll see you next week for another episode of Point of Impact. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.